Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. All right. It is a good day to be a father. Trust me, it is. And one day, y'all will be grandparents. Well, that's a good thing. This is like probably the most amazing time of my life. Is I never thought being a grandfather would be this amazing. Amen. And welcome to everybody that's uh, joining us online. We'd like to uh, just extend uh, the greeting out to all those uh, individuals as well. If you're online, just go ahead and say hi and let us know you're here. Well, um, my name is Chris, and I'm one of the leaders here at Life in the Sun. And actually, today we are starting a new series called Life together. So how many of us know that we cannot live life apart? Right? I mean, even if we wanted to be monks, right? We're, we're, <laughs> you're still going to be living with somebody, right? So our relationships are important to God. You see, so today, ooh, what happened? Okay, I got it. All right, so today we are starting this new series called Life Together. And again, life cannot be lived apart, especially with Jesus calling us to be salt and light. We just finished a, an amazing series on that as well, not too long ago. Because our relationship with Christ affects every relationship that we have with one another. It's the cause of us being able to treat and relate to one another in the right way. Because of Christ, we can now experience lasting, thriving, and fulfilling relationships where we are now able to share life together. So today specifically, we will be looking specifically at marriage, the covenant relationship between husbands and wives. So I, re I remember uh, when I first got married, uh, we always have these birthdays and holidays that we spend with each other, do we not? And I remember my wife coming to me and going on my birthday, you know, or leading up to my birthday, rather. Have you thought about your birthday? And, you know, have you thought about what you're going to get me on your birthday? And I was like, wait a minute, what? This is my birthday. You're supposed to be asking me what I can do or what you can do to get me on, on my birthday. And so here's a little insight for men. And, and today on Father's Day, really this, this focus is on us, on men, on our responsibility to be husbands. Our God-called responsibility to be covenant husbands in this relationship we call marriage. So to give you a little bit of background, that's just the personality of my wife. It was all meant in jest. No, she wasn't being serious. <laughs> but, but here's a little something that I wanted to share with you. Uh, when we first got married, um, as you know, we come into marriage and we bring a lot of things into it. And sometimes we don't always disclose everything beforehand. Uh, so when the marriage started, we were... Uh, going through our bills, and then I noticed that there's this 
you know, a house payment for my wife. And, you know, obviously we bring things in. The house payment wasn't the issue. But I began to see that there was some debt, there was some, some things where she had struggled prior to our marriage. And there was this uh, assumption that uh, I had to, to choose to take on behalf of my wife. I mean, I could have gotten offended. I could have been like, hey, that's your debt. I don't want anything to do with it. You figure it out, you pay it off, and, and all that. But, you know, it's interesting because I had begun my walk with God in such a way that I saw the value of being able to provide for my wife. He provided for me. He's provided for me all the way up until that point. And I say, God, you've been continuing to provide for me. I'm going to provide for my wife. And so I took that bill on as my own. I paid the, the monthly payments for her. And not only that, within a, probably about three to four years, my wife got a, uh, a, a letter from the lending agency in Saipan, basically absolving her and relieving her of all previous owed interest on that loan. That was God. That was, it added up to probably about $16,000 that was shaved right off the top of that loan. And it dropped the payment down. It was like, wow, God, you are amazing. And so why am I bringing that up? Well, we're going to, again, today we're going to be looking at this marriage covenant. And on the perspective of us as men, as fathers, right? There's a, there's a specific responsibility that God has given to us. He's called us to be the heads of our, our families. And there's a, there's a purpose for that. It's not arbitrary. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get, dive into our scriptures. Father, we thank you that you have provided us, Lord, everything that we need for life and godliness. Everything that we need as we're called as husbands, as fathers, and even as men, Father God. I pray that those that are listening uh, to this message today will be reminded, will be blessed, will be challenged, Lord, by the call that you have given to us to lay down our lives for our wives, to lay down our lives for one another, Lord God, based on the love that you have displayed for us on that cross. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today's message is the mystery of marriage. You know, we often come into marriage again, like I said, with this selfish kind of like, eh, this is, I get, I get my needs. I get what I want. This is about me. I, I need to be loved. I need to be respected. I need this attention and I, I need to be completed, right? But let's go ahead and dive into our scripture verses today. And it's out of Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. And again, just as we're reading through this, men and women, I want you to look at the role that God has given us as men. Look at the responsibility. Look at the, the, uh, the seriousness of what he has called us to do and to be. It's monumental. But I also want to remind everybody as we go through this message today, not only is it monumental and important to God, He has given us the ability to do what He is asking us to do. Amen? 
So let's go ahead and start in verse 22. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as, the, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to also love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great. I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Right away, in verse 31, we see a quote from Genesis chapter 2, 24. This reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is what we know as leaving and cleaving, right? And then in verse 22, or I'm sorry, verse 32, it says, Paul looks back on this quote and simply says, this mystery is great because he's saying that it refers specifically to Christ and the church. And you're like, wait a minute, what does Christ and the church have to do with my marriage? But it's actually the other way around. We need to get that picture correct. It has everything to do with it, and we're going to find that out today. So this means specifically then that marriage is a picture and a metaphor of something greater. It is greater than even simple companionship. It is about Jesus and his bride that are able to fulfill God's purposes on earth. We see this detailed uh, in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 7. It says, let us rejoice and be glad and give glory and honor to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. This is what is known as the sanctity of marriage. It is sacred. The object is Christ's marriage to the church while the metaphor is us. It's the husband's marriage to his wife. In fact, this is one reason why the world does not understand biblical marriage. It does not know or believe that it is sacred. As we see today, marriage and relationships, they are less defined and based more on our selfish desires, on what we want, therefore making the traditional view of marriage. And the roles of the husbands and wives seem too old-fashioned and even unrealistic. But this is exactly why marriage is so important to God, because it is much greater than we think. It's about glorifying Him. So as we look into this mystery, we need to start back with verse 21. It actually precedes this set of scriptures. And it says, 
and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. The word here, subject, is hypotasso, which means literally to serve and put oneself under or submit to another willingly in deep reverence for Christ for the purpose of growth. So this growth is within the marriage relationship itself, building of the family, and then building of the world. You know, we heard Anthony's uh, plea for us to, to really begin to be engaged in our, our culture and to be engaged in the world around us. The only way that we can do that is by building us with God first, then to our family and relationships, and then out to the world. That is the design and the purpose that God has made for our relationships. And in fact, this is the foundation for this new series called Life Together. Our relationship again with Christ affects the way that we treat and relate to each other. This is in keeping with Matthew 23:11, which states, The greatest among you shall be your servant. Again, let me restate that. The greatest among you shall be your servant. So wives, don't get hung up on this, I've got to submit and be subjected to my husband. We all have to be subjected to each other and to Christ. But the love and protection and, and grace that we show our wives is the foundation of the love of God flowing out and fulfilling his purpose to the world. It's the way he designed it. Okay, it's, it's not something arbitrary. It's not something that can even be reversed. It's something that is specific so that God's purpose is made perfect in this world. So then again, marriage not only points to Christ and his church, but also provides a place where we are challenged to grow in submission, service, humility, love, and respect. How many of us found marriage to be easy? Right? <laughs> Many of us are like, can I get that card? Can I get another hand, please? Right? I want a flush. I want a royal flush. I want this thing to be easy. But no, we get nothing, right? We can't even get a pair. And not even three of a kind, right? It's like, man, this is hard, God. But it's exactly the reason why God made these things lofty is because it's a way of sanctifying us. We work it out. God has made it that way. And thankfully so, because we all come into marriage lazy, selfish. And in fact, if we stay that way, we find that it doesn't go well for us, right? We have to begin to learn to submit to one another, to love one another, to prefer each other before ourselves. You see, our marriages rely on commitment as its core, not attraction, not chemistry, commitment. Because this is where the, the foundation is built. When we know God is committed to us, husbands, we can be committed to our wives. When we're committed to our wives, they feel it, they see it, they sense it, and they can be committed back to us and then committed back to God. It's a cycle. It's a circle of life. So one of Paul's points in this passage is that the roles of husband and wife in marriage are not arbitrary and they are not reversible again without losing God's purpose for marriage. If we want to see what our roles look like in marriage, we need to look at the relationship between Jesus 
and his bride. So again, let's go back. And we're going to start with husbands because we're talking about fathers today. Today is the day we're going to honor men. And men, it starts with us. We have to humble ourselves. We have to deal with our own issues first before we start making demands of our wives, of our families. It starts with us. Let judgment begin at the household of God. If we are called to be the head and the priest of our home, the love of God starts with us. So let's go ahead and read through uh, the section one more time. Husbands, love your wives. That's the love there is the word agape. It's not romantic love. It's not brotherly love. It's not familial love. It is specifically agape. It's a providing, covering, sacrificial, building up kind of love. That's what it is. Okay, so that, um, sorry, uh, so just as Christ also loved the church, you see it's reflective of God's love of us, so that he might sanctify her, that means to purify, to, uh, to grow in holiness, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word. So we have to think about words. Men, what, what words do we use when we're talking to, about, and around our wives? What do they receive from our words? Are they built up? Or are we believing the lie that if we tear them down, that we're going to be correcting whatever issue we're trying to deal with? That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle having, or any such thing. This is why we don't gossip about our wives. But that she should be holy and blameless. Doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean we puff up or, or lie about the situation. It's really about respect and how we present our wives to those around us. You keep your, your private stuff private and build up your wife before others. So husbands ought to, also, ought to love their own wives even as their own bodies. He who loves his own life, wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. So what kind of love are we talking about? We just have to be reminded of the love check. 1 Corinthians uh, 13, starting in verse 4. Again, let's just read through this. And man, I want you to just kind of think about, is this descriptive of the way that you treat your wife? Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. It does not brag, and it is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. And it does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Men, we can do this. Husbands, we can do this. Why? Because this is the way God treats us. If God treats us this way, this is how we pass the blessing down to our wives. And again, in 1 Peter 3, it says, Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. How many of us men, we came into, into marriage and we, we said, Well, I get my wife. She, ah, I understand her completely. No. Women are a mystery. Right? But that's the thing. We're, we're called to study our wives because they're not like us. Their emotions are different. Their, their, their build is different. 
the way that God created them is different. It says here in the same way as with uh, understanding way as with someone weaker. It doesn't mean less. It doesn't mean inferior. It means weaker. It means that their touch more in tune with their emotions, with their motherly nourishing, cherishing portion. That's how God created them. And it's very specific. Shinsi is a woman, and who would better know this than God? We're reading his manual. And show her honor as a fellow heir in the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. But wives, we can talk about you today. All right? You're not left off the hook. Amen? So wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands and everything. So what does this look like, wives? Well, we can go to Proverbs 31, starting in verse 10. An excellent wife, who can, I, who can find? For her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. I'll say that again. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Men, our wives aren't going to look like the bride that we married on wedding day. They're not always going to look that way. Our wives are going to grow older. They may lose teeth. They may lose hair. They're going to get wrinkly, right? But that should never be a reason for us to reject our wife. We're called to love them till death do us part. And then in first, uh, I'm sorry, and then the last part of that verse, it says, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. This is the heart that God is looking for. And then also for wives, finally in 1 Peter 3, it says, in the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by your behavior. You see, when sin entered into the world, it ruined God's intent for marriage. Sin didn't create headship and submission. <laughs> it ruined them and distorted them and made them ugly and destructive. God's design wasn't master and slave, but specifically designed by God to serve him and to serve each other. A quote by Matthew Henry, who is a very famous commentator, it says, Eve was made by God not out of Adam's head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, but under his arm to be protected and near his heart to be loved. This is the picture of biblical marriage. So this leads us to our final point, love and respect. Going back to verse 33, it says, Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. See, what God is saying here is that, again, men and women are designed differently. A woman's greatest need is love, and a man's greatest need is respect. Men run on respect, run, um, wives 
run on love. Of course, everyone needs to be loved and respected. But when scripture singles out husbands and wives living together, the men are told to love and the women are told to respect. Why? Because simply a woman who is loved by her husband is a woman who will grow in loveliness. And a husband who, that is respected by his wife will grow in respectability. Simply put, when husbands genuinely love their wives the way Christ loves the church, wives will deeply respect them for it, thus creating the bond of marriage. So husbands, we must be reminded to love, sacrifice, and provide for our wives as Christ does for the church. Why? Because we tend to not see the emotional and provisional needs of our wives. And wives, you need to be reminded to respect your husbands as the church does Christ. Why? Because women tend to not see the need husbands have to be simply respected. Under the covenant God made with Abraham, God is the one taking upon himself the curse if either party does not uphold his obligation. And therefore, it's the same in marriage. Men, husbands, it is our God-given obligation and responsibility to care for our family, our wives, and everything in it. So that led to Jesus' death, but also his resurrection. So men, let's be reminded of our call in a marriage covenant before God. It is inherently sacred where we take responsibility to treat our wives like Jesus treats us. And women, respect and honor your husbands. Be their cheerleader. Appreciate them as they grow in the love of God. And I just want to close with that, the word I put up there. If you want to go back to, yeah, no, go back, one more. Uh, respectability. There you go. Okay. So love and respect. I just really want to close with this, that it is an, a lifelong cycle between husband and wife. But I also want to point out, the reason I put a hyphen between respect and ability, because I want to close by encouraging us that God has give us, given us the ability to respect, honor, love, and cherish. We don't have to walk into this thinking, man, I don't know how to do this. This is too hard. But we can look to God and say, no, God, you, as I grow in my relationship with you, as I grow in commitment with you, God, you're going to show me how to fulfill the role that you have given to me in my marriage. So finally, our last slide is just a quote out of 1 Peter 3. And it says, to sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Let's pray. Yeah. Father, we just come before you, Lord, and we thank you that, yes, you've called us to do things that are seemingly impossible. But in the same way, God, you said in your word that all things are possible through you. 
So help us to look deeper. Help us to look at a place, Lord, where we see something that is far greater than a simple relationship. You know, this reminds me, and I'm just going to read this out. This was actually a card that uh, my, my wife got for me today and it, for Father's Day. And I keep telling her, I'm not your father. You don't have to give me a card. But she does. And that's what I love about her. And it says, my love letter to you. And it says, to a man who says and does all the big and little things to make me feel beautiful, appreciated, and loved. You are a good man and an amazing husband. And I love you with all my heart. A man who gets me, which isn't always easy, and brings out the best in me, better than anyone. A man who lightens my, my moods and makes my days easier and my life sweeter in every way possible. Church, that's just my prayer. I mean, I, I read this and I'm like, this isn't me. I'm not a perfect husband. I don't get everything right. But that's the point. Is my prayer for us this morning is that no matter where you're at in your relationship with God, I want you to be encouraged that the relationship that you have with God is what moves you forward into thinking about marriage, thinking about even being involved in marriage. I don't want you to be scared of it after today's message and think I can't live up to that. And I don't even want you to think that, man, I'm not living up to it now. But I just want to pray for all of us this morning that we have been given grace. This is the way that God looks at us as husbands. That's what he wants us to walk in and to be seen as and fulfilled. Amen. So Father, I do thank you that this good thing that you've given to us of marriage is powerful, Lord God. And it is meant to be a blessing as we honor and respect each other. And before we close completely, I just want to address another group of people here this morning that maybe as you were talking today about God's goodness and God's mercy and his plan for life and marriage, that maybe God has already been speaking to your heart that you want a relationship with him. And if that's you this morning, I'd just like to give you an opportunity to respond as well. And just know that even with you, that nothing is impossible with Christ. That's the whole point, that God has provided Jesus to be your life and the offering for your life. And by accepting him, you are made children of God. So if that's you this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you this morning, just go ahead and slip up your hand and, and I'll provide the opportunity for us to pray together. Anybody here? Amen. Anybody online? If that's you and you're listening this morning, then I'm just going to provide this opportunity for you to respond as well. So let us pray. Father, I just come before you, Lord, and I thank you. I thank you that you have given me the opportunity to know you, 
to know you in a great and powerful and relational way, Father. I thank you for your sacrifice of Jesus for my sins, and I repent and I turn to you for salvation. I turn away from my old life and I turn to you as my Lord and my Savior. I thank you for dying on the cross and I acknowledge that you are the Son of God and that you have given me new life. And I pray for the Holy Spirit to guide me and direct me all the days of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you made that prayer this morning, we'd just like to uh, invite you to come over to our one-to-one -one table and just let somebody know and they'll give you a booklet and, and take down your information just so we can follow up. And for the rest of us, happy Father's Day. You can now go and, and have your Father's Day feast. Amen. God bless. And I'm rising up with you. Rising up with you. Rising up with you. Rising up with you. You take me high on the wings of your truth. Yes, I'm rising up with you. I'm rising